My gospel reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Uh, if you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, please turn into your pew Bibles on the page 85. Now on that same day, two of them, notice that there's no name, uh, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a, a Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all of the people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we, who had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the turret tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. But when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. May God bless the reading of God's Holy Scripture. Amen. This is probably the most intimate of the post-resurrection stories. Luke 24 takes us on a journey with two of them. He doesn't name them. I, I think it's on purpose. But we'll get into that in just a minute. As they go from Jerusalem to Emmaus. The story is magnificent and sublime. Luminous and insightful. 
There's a third person, a, a stranger, who, whose identity is deliberately kept from the two, joins them in on the journey. As the conversation continues, we hear Jesus playing the part of an uninformed person without a clue about the tragic weekend events. Astonished at his ignorance, the two travelers educate Jesus to what he's missed, only to be astonished again by how skillfully this stranger, who acts as a rabbi or prophet, instructs them about the meaning of the weekend, beginning with the prophets and Moses. All of these elements, Christian worship, the sacrament of the word, gospel telling, transformation, mystery, insight, communion, and going forth are in this beautiful story. So, you all know how I operate. I, I want to talk about what does it look like that the commentators talk about with this. And the commentators have a, a really good conversation about it, you know. What is this communion, uh, what is the story about the walk to Emmaus really about? Luke's story is unique in the sense that we don't know who it is that's walking. And so some commentators comment on the fact that it's most likely designed to show connection to those that are hearing it for the first time. That might not have grown up in Jerusalem, that might not have been a Gentile that was there, but the people that were the listeners from a different place. It starts to date Luke a little bit in the sense that the church itself does not create itself as an institution until really the, the latter part of the first and the beginning part of the second century. That's really important to recognize. There's a historical conversation that takes place about what Jesus does with his ministry that most scholars can agree on that what happens is there's a testing by Jesus in all of his Gospels. For example, there's a, a three-way qualifying test. First, there's the recognition. This is Jesus, the Son of Man. They failed this test. <laughs> Second, the stranger's need for shelter. This is Torah 101. Give housing or help to the stranger. They pass this one. Third, the glorifying test, which is what we've been talking about ad nauseum for the last couple weeks. When Jesus resurrects from the grave, your job is to go tell and do. They pass this one because of the recognition. It's beautiful. But it answers the question, how can people who have never personally seen the resurrected Jesus Recognize him. And then believe in him. And then Jesus gives us instruction. He, he reveals himself today through scripture, through the breaking of bread, and through the public worship of the church. I really want you to think about your connection to this passage of scripture. I want you to really think about this dark night of the soul that these people that are not disciples, Luke really wants you to understand, they're not disciples. How they're dealing with this traumatic moment. I, I want to paint it for you in a, a different way. 
You're inside Jerusalem. And there's some three, 5,000 people that have been following this Jesus guy that are inside Jerusalem. And they have followed him for a long, long way. Some of them followed him for three years even. And they have followed him all the way to this place and they have no idea why he's been arrested or why he's even on trial. And, and why are these people in charge? And I want you to think three to 5,000 people. That's the size of Perry. And they're all, because Jerusalem, contrary to popular belief, it isn't that big. I mean, it's, it's geographically wide, but they're all at the town centered. So we're downtown Perry, around the courthouse even. And you're all watching this going, what's going on? What's he going to do next, right? We're all thinking it. We all know that this is going to happen. He's going to do something amazing. This is that moment we've been waiting for. He's going to smite Rome, and it's going to be all over. It's wonderful. And then they watch as they put him on a cross, and he dies right in front of them. Earth shakes. The sky gets black. They hear people screaming from the temple, recognizing that something has happened. And all the while, you, who had just been following, because he fed you this great meal out of loaves and fishes, and he, you've watched him create miracles and heal lepers and blind people, and, and, and you've watched him take care of human beings, unlike anything that you've ever seen before, and watch him die. This are your travelers from Emmaus. You actually can relate to this. As you watch horrific, awful events take place on your TV screens and on your cell phones, every single day you find something yet once again that has destroyed you to your very core. You are yourselves walking on your own journey to Emmaus downtrodden and sometimes looking down when you should be looking up. It makes total sense that they didn't recognize Jesus when he appeared to them. In the last several years, as I've continued to try to understand grief and trauma, there's a, there's a term that we use when somebody has had a traumatic event, like the witnessing of an execution. You don't recognize people's faces in your memory. I don't know if you know that or not, but in your memory, it's just gray face. You, you see shadows. And when you dream about it, you, your dreams have no faces. It's just your body somehow tries to cope with this horrific event that has taken place. And there, as they're walking along this path, it makes total sense. The two, they wouldn't have recognized Jesus if Jesus literally stood in front of their face. Does that sound familiar? And yet... They start to tell him everything that's happened. And while this is taking place, he's just he's listening. Church, I want you to really catch this part. It's too often that church people have a tendency to say churchy things in the midst of grief and trauma. And we say things like, well, what you should have done is, in the middle. What does Jesus do? He listens to them tell the story. He doesn't teach or preach to them. He talks with them about him, not necessarily, because they still don't recognize him, 
about the story of Moses and the prophets that prophesied these things to come. Now, that's a different story than our walk to Emmaus, right? Because our, our walk to Emmaus is, is different. You're not proclaiming your Jesus. And if you are, we need to have a conversation. But in this moment, he's trying to give them words of comfort in their grief, in their trauma. And they know it gets late. And while they're there, they're like, you know, you shouldn't travel on this road. It's dangerous. It's, it's really dangerous. You shouldn't go out anywhere. And they provide him hospitality, which is exactly what we're supposed to do with everybody else, that we come along in our own roads to the Emmaus to provide words and safety and hospitality to everyone and anyone that we meet. Here's the part. Then takes a loaf of bread, picks it up, he blesses it, he breaks it, instantaneously they recognize him. In our own faith tradition, this passage of scripture is what has guided us from the beginning of the 1800s. What we do here is not some sort of miraculous or mystical moment. It's a recognition. It's a remembrance of Jesus at the Lord's Supper. And when that is happening, it's in the breaking of the bread and the pouring of the cup that we remember Jesus and the gray scales come off of our eyes. We see the one that has come to save us. And for some reason, for Christian church, disciples of Christ people, (laughs) our hearts are strangely warmed around this table. And our lives are changed instantly. Because we don't deserve this, just like those people did on the road. As we walk downtrodden, trying to find meaning of our life, looking in all the wrong places when Jesus is smack dab in front of our face. For some reason, these two people They go back and they go tell uh, the 11 who are still in Jerusalem. Who were told, hey, look, dude, when I come back three days from now, you're supposed to go and tell the world about this. So these two strange people changed the world that we know. After recognizing Jesus, the two Travelers did not even think about the dangerous and dark road because they knew they were right where they belonged. The diabolic danger of every temptation is that it tries to alienate us from others. To sever us from the fellowship of the church, to make us isolated and alone. The worst thing a person can feel is as if no one is there for them. And church, we have to do better at this. have to do better at this. No one should feel as if they are alone on their dark and dangerous road to Emmaus with their heads down waiting to find something that they can't seem to see right in front of their face. You might be the face of Jesus to someone you don't even know. You might be that person that connects someone to the divine without words. 
You are the image of Christ. And in that, there is power and mystery. Christ reveals them today through Scripture. reveals himself today through Scripture. Through the breaking of bread and through the public worship of the church, both in and out of the sanctuary. So let us go and do likewise. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.